0: I'm just gonna okay. hang be careful what you say now. Okay. The story begins, friends. We are on chapter thirty-five, page three hundred and ninety-three. Part three of chapter thirty-five. This will be the final part of chapter thirty-five. So what we're discussing here. The Beinani is having a challenge. He feels that his relationship with God is behavioral, not so emotionally engaging, at least not to the degree of the Tzaddik. It's indicated by the fact that he's constantly being emotionally challenged by his Yetzir Harab, by his evil inclination, by his animal soul. He's never going to have the ability to transform it. So the Al-Terebbe is providing some new perspective for us here. Shedding new light in what uh, truly makes a relationship deep. What makes a relationship deep, we said, is specifically action. Because however much passion I have for God, it's limited to my ability to feel. In other words, the relationship centers around me. And that's a limited relationship. Who am I to define a relationship? But if if the relation centers around not how I feel, that's not to say that my feelings are irrelevant. It's just to say that's not the center of the relationship. It's not to say that the feelings should be absent or aren't important. But if the relationship centers around what God wants, which is mitzvahs, so now the relationship is unlimited, because the, a, a, relation, a mitzvah is what God wants, it centers around Him. It's not defined by my own self, my own limitations. Let's take a look on page three ninety three. The Alter Rebbe, the Alter Tanya here, takes it a step further. He says, not only um, do feelings in a relationship present a limitation, if that's what the relationship centers around, but the truth is, even learning Torah compared to, to the performance of mitzvahs won't have the same impact. Because ultimately, what we really want to do is, we want the, 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 the relationship to impact us physically. We want the relationship to be physical. A relationship, a real wholesome relationship, is all-encompassing. It's emotional and it's physical. Um, The physical part of a relationship ideally should be the culmination of understanding one another, of feeling one another. So the ultimate is not even the intellect, but it's actually the action. Let's take a look on page uh, 393, the second bold paragraph, right right above the line in the middle of the page. So now when a person is immersed in Torah study, then his soul, namely his divine soul, along with its two inner garments, next page, the powers of speech and thought are absorbed in the infinite light of God and merged with it seamlessly. So yes, when I study Torah, I have this unification with God. I have this incredible unity with God. We described this unity in great depth in chapter 5. We described it as intimacy with God in a sense. And here we're saying however deep that relationship is, it's just with the divine soul. It doesn't include the animal soul. So it still is a limited relationship learning Torah is a spiritual activity because it's performed with my spiritual faculties, my, my speech and my, my thought. Whereas the performance of mitzvahs actually require engagement with the animal soul. It looks like Lynn is trying to get on here. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So that makes sense. Even with Torah, it's a deep relationship with God and it centers around God. Right? When my relationship with God centers around my passion, okay, it centers around me, it's limited, it's defined. But when I'm studying Torah, it centers around God, it's His Word. And it's still limited. Because the relationship is not with my animal soul, it's just with my divine soul. Let's take a look uh, at the middle of 394. It's the third, uh, the, the second to last bold paragraph. It's the biggest paragraph on the page. But in order, but in order to pull the light and glimmer of the Shekhinah, the divine presence, upon your body and animal soul, too. In order for our relationship with God to affect not our divine souls, but our animal soul, which is the ultimate purpose. Because the divine soul doesn't really, you know, the divine soul is already divine. The animal soul being the energizing soul, which actually interacts with your body. To do this, you need to observe practical mitzvot, mitzvot, which are actually carried out using the body. Because then your body's energy invested in the mitzvah act is absorbed next page in the light, in God's light and will and has emerged in God's will seamlessly.
1: So it's when all I... about follow
0: through. Why?
1: It's all about follow through. So it involves everything, but it's about follow through and and about doing, integrating all the ways.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Actually, I just learned a, a relevant insight to this idea. Relevant to the high holidays. Immediately after Yom Kippur... The tradition is to build the sukkah that night right away. You break the fast, right? We hear the shofar, the end of Neilah. We break the fast, and ideally, you're supposed to immediately build the sukkah. If you're not going to build the sukkah right away, or if you're unable to do it right away, which is usually the case, you know it's late and you're then at least study the laws of sukkah, or at least make plans to build the sukkah, talk about building the sukkah. But the, the the custom is to be involved in the sukkah building in some shape or form immediately after Yom Kippur. And one of the reasons for that is, we just had this incredible inspiration of Yom Kippur, this incredible high. There's this certain energy that Nailah has. And we culminate it, we finish. What are we gonna do with that energy besides just feeling good about it? <laughs> We've been inspired on Yom Kippur, what are we gonna do with that inspiration? It doesn't suffice just to feel good about the inspiration. We have to do something with it. And that's why there's a custom to immediately work on the soka, to take that inspiration and invest it in something practical. Like what you're saying, Sharon, to actually follow through, to follow up. Right? We we, we have to follow up in our relationship with God. I'm passionate about God, but how am I going to physically express it?
2: Are all physical
3: activities, actions, controlled by the animal soul? Or is it a combination?
0: It's a combination. uh, Depends what it is. But if it's a, put it this way, in order to, you can't act without your animal soul. You can't physically behave without your animal soul. So if you're going to do a physical mitzvah, that means your animal soul is engaging in its relation in your relationship with God.
2: It's like
0: the, the,
2: the horse and the rider.
0: Kind of. Y- yeah, exactly. You know, if you're going to go somewhere, <laughs> that, that horse is coming, is coming with you. So if you're going to go somewhere good, you're taking that horse to a good place. If we're going to do mitzvahs and we're going to be doing good things, we're investing in the animal soul. If you're on that horse, though, and you're meditating, or you're praying, you're not necessarily engaging the horse, you're just engaging you. But the ultimate mission is to engage the animal soul. That's the ultimate purpose, to actually impact the body. In other words... I can feel good about Judaism. But if I'm not actually doing Judaism, you know, th- th- put it this way. Let's say I was a mystical Kabbalist and I knew all the Kabbalistic intentions of what it means to, um to, to what it really means to give charity. And this, this is an example applicable to any mitzvah, but I'm just choosing an example. Or what it means to light Shabbat candles. Or what it really means to pray. And I'm learning about all the mystical intentions and feelings, and I'm inspired by them. But I don't actually do it. <laughs> right? Where did that take me? Where did that get me? But what if I do the mitzvah? But I don't really, I'm more simple. I don't know exactly what's going on. I did it, though. I engaged my animal soul in this relationship. So when you do a mitzvah, an action mitzvah, when Moses did an action mitzvah, even though Moses is on a higher caliber than us, it's the same action. It's that same objective, incredible, limitless relationship with God impacting the animal soul. When Moses was passionate about a mitzvah and when we're passionate about a mitzvah, it's very different because he's on a higher caliber. Action is very objective. Action is very defined. In other words, centering the relationship with God around how we feel or centering our existence in this world around how we feel. Versus centering it around what our purpose is. Centering it around our purpose. Has a much bigger impact on our animal soul. Which is action. It's an even greater. uh, it, It involves the animal soul greater than even Torah study does. Although Torah study also is an action, sort of. It is a mitzvah. (laughs) It does require action, too. And we'll discuss that in chapter 37 um, in a couple of weeks. I'll tell you a story. Two stories. One story is with the Tzemach Tzedek. The Tzemach Tzedek, that was the book that he wrote. And that was his title. That's what he was known for. His name was Menachem Mendel Schneerson. Same name as the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was a grandson of the Al-tereb, the author of the Tanya. And he was once asked by his son. His son had a baby boy and they had to make a bris. And they asked, the, so the son asked him, they said to his father, I have two moels, two ritual circumcisors from whom I could choose. One of them is a medical expert an expert in all the laws, but he doesn't really know the mystical intentions. He's not a spiritual person. He's just, he's going to get it done. Get it done, right? The other circumciser ritual, Moel, is experienced, is old, is wise, knows the mystical intentions. He knows how to do a brisk, but it's not the same. He doesn't have the same medical background. (laughs) He doesn't have the same halachic understanding of, you know, he's a more sophisticated person, but he's more focused on the spiritual intention, not so much on the physical. Which Moel should he choose? The young guy who's going to get her done or the spiritual old guy? Who would you choose? Who do you think he told him to choose? Mm
1: Only because you've heard the story, you
0: chose... Oh, and you man. <laughs> that, that means I'm getting old.
1: And just two weeks ago.
0: <laughs> really? Oh,
1: you're getting oh, old. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> I am getting old. So he tells him to choose the young guy.
2: It wasn't exactly the same one. This The one where the guy was really frail. He told us a story about yeah. the guy who was real. That wasn't exactly the same.
0: So, so I, you're not that old. I just, you're not I just old. read him... No, it is the same story. I I just read a more accurate version of the story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he told him, choose the guy who's practical. Choose the guy who's going to get her done. Because the spiritual intentions, that's a nice thing. That's beautiful. But the point is to get her done. Right? I can meditate on the meaning of tefillin, or I can put on the tefillin. Now, ideally, we should have both, right? Ideally, we want both. In other words, very often in life, we're faced with a um, a dilemma. Is the relationship going to be centered around me, my own feelings, or is it going to be centered around my mission, right? The other person or God. Ideally, we want both, right? In a perfect world, I want I wanna be a giver and I wanna be passionate about who I'm giving to. Right? I want it to center around the other person and I want it to be meaningful. That's an ideal situation. And that's really that's a beautiful thing. And if we could be like that a hundred percent of the time, we'd be okay, a tzaddik. But very often, um, what?
1: I have to I have a question. Yeah. So so the the, the um, rabbi didn't take into consideration any of those two, the Mohels feelings and their passion and Maybe it meant more to the one who was old and who was so passionate to do the Brit than it did mean to this youngster who's just going to get the job done. So basically, he was being selfish by choosing.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> like, well yeah. think about it this way. he, What he was basically saying is the action of the Briss
2: yeah.
0: is more important than being passionate about a bris.
1: Uh
0: so, you mean someone would
1: do it badly?
0: Perhaps, maybe it wasn't the best. Not as experienced.
1: Okay. So there uh, bad, is, you know, there's.
0: <laughs> it look, there's a whole industry here when you're choosing a moel. You know, it's like, every, everything in Judaism becomes an industry. You know, there's a kosher esrog, and lulav set, but then there's a nice. I was just looking at a. Um, at a a, um, store advertising the Lula Vaness rug sets. They have kosher for this amount of money. (laughs) Then they have nice for this amount of money. And then they have beautiful for even more money. That's not to say the kosher one, the the, the most simple one is bad. But if good is good, better is better. Put it that way, right?
3: It's like buying a TV. I can buy the low-end model TV. Right or the very high end TV, they all get the same reception,
0: but just exactly
2: more. Josh, were you trying to um, make it seem as though the the one that's nice is still kosher, and the one that's beautiful is still kosher also, or yeah, yeah. Oh, they they're all kosher. Okay, all right,
0: they're all kosher. But but the question is, what is the most beautiful way to do it? Got it. Yeah. Right. Both brises are going to be kosher. Both of them are going to be acceptable. But the question is, what type of Moel did did he want? Did he want somebody that was focused on the action of the Bris, or focused on the passion of the Bris? And he re- he wanted to choose somebody that was focused on the action of the Bris. Now that that's not to say that it wouldn't have been a good Bris if he chose the passion guy. The yeah. reason why this story is relevant is just to just to orient or help orient, put into context um, what the focus in Judaism is. Judaism really is an action uh oriented religion it so, really is
3: so when you say it's action-oriented that means um that means not the beauty of the love of and isn't the important thing it's the action of doing it
0: exactly not so much the kavana the passion but the action so look at it this way if you're passionate about judaism um you're it's hard to, to passion. share passion right It's hard to train children to be passionate. they kind of have to find their own passion you know they have to kind of develop it and work on it, but action you could train you could teach somebody how to behave you're,
2: make, you're making you're making me think of one of Lucia's books where it says <laughs> really seriously right he gave us he uh, gave us the ability to talk to to say brachas, and he gave us the right. ability to hear to hear the shofar etc 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 that's i mean that's all physical uh,
0: exactly Ju- judaism has been passed down from generation to generation for thousands of years not because people were passionate about it the passion made it more meaningful which is important but it's because because of the action because of the action. You can teach your children how to behave. It's very difficult to teach children how to feel. Who are you to tell me how to feel? I'm me, right? But you can tell people how to behave. You can teach people how to behave. You can inspire others how to behave. I can inspire somebody to put on tefillin. It's going to be a lot more work to inspire them to feel good about putting on tefillin. That's going to have to come from them.
3: So once, once we've mastered the action then we should focus on the passion?
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, you can work on them simultaneously. The passion is very important. The passion is crucial for our motivation to keep going. Um, But if our focus is the passion, it becomes centered around us. There was a fellow once, um, I mentioned this last week, I think, but there was a fellow who who um this time i know i i mentioned it so now i'm not getting off this i i said he was an israeli fellow very spiritual guy very spiritual this guy would be if if he was an observant jew if he grew up in yeshiva you know he didn't he wasn't given that educational background he would be a kabbalist i'm telling you this guy was so very interesting i remember once we we were in florida he, his son was in yeshiva with us he would hang out at the yeshiva and he's studying Torah with somebody and this was so his style in Florida there's a lot of lightning especially in the summer and there was this huge lightning flash the entire room shook we saw this big flash at the window the windows like rumbled for a second the lights went out the lights go back on and everybody was studying and and with their study partners and everybody paused because of what just happened he tells his study partner what word is your what word is your finger on right now where you paused he looks at the word the word is or light that's this type of guy <laughs> just to notice these things he's just a spiritual guy but he wasn't in a, a um he wasn't necessarily knowledgeable and he was very open to learning and studying um and he, he we used to have long conversations late through the night it was really really good times I said to him once I said, his name was is Udi. The Israeli. I said, Udi, let's put on filling together. And this was a very eye opening moment to me in, in really understanding what Tanya's saying here. He says, I'm not feeling it right now. I want to be genuine and I'm not feeling it. Maybe if I had the the mindset to meditate and really put myself in, um, in the right frame of mind, I would do it. And it's at that moment that I'm not saying this to God forbid, judge him. I'm saying this just because it was an educational uh, moment for me. Very often, you know, ideally we want to be genuine. We want the action and we want to feel good about it. But often we have a dilemma. We have to choose one of the two. And if we have to choose, we have to choose what we have to center around God, not ourselves. We can't make it centered around us. You have, you know, sometimes in the you have to daven in the morning, and there's not a lot of time to feel good about the davening, to be passionate about it.
1: Okay. Question. So you have
0: to choose between one of the two. You have to make it a quicker daven. You know, sometimes it's going to send. It has. We have to choose God over ourselves. Ideally, we want both. Yeah, well, sorry. Question.
1: Okay. The question is: In the beginning of Tanya, we learned that Anishama is part of God, and everybody yeah. in the Shama is part of God, and when you when when you do for yourself and for your neshama, and you understand the action before you do to make it, it's got to be positive so that you can do it more and more. Then, then 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 it's a good action. If you're just doing going through the motions of the action, you actually it's it's defeating the purpose of actually. And you have to look after your neshama. So this contradicts that.
0: Excellent question. Such an excellent question. Yeah. Such an excellent question.
3: You have an excellent answer.
0: I, I'm really I'm impressed. I'm re- I'm really I'm impressed. It's a very good question. It's also not just a good question, it's a crucial question. Because it really helps orient what the balance is. Um what Sharon, what you're saying is basically this chapter seems to contradict what we said it, in chapter it, four. Yeah. Because in this chapter we're saying too much passion focus on the action. In chapter four, we're saying that passion is supposed to motivate the action and yeah. we're contradicting ourselves. I had the same exact question actually when I was studying this about five years ago. <laughs> and I remember emailing my teacher in New York that how do we reconcile this? <laughs> the, the way Tanya is written you know, each chapter in Tanya is addressing an, an issue that we potentially have in our life. And different parts of Tanya are going to talk to you at when you're at different stages in your life. Um, not all of Tanya is going to be uh, completely meaningful to you all of the time. There's times where you need to say, I need more passion in my life because I'm just doing action and it's dry. And there's times in life where we're going to be so focused on our feelings, we're going to get lost in what the real purpose is. And we need to remember what it's really about.
1: To go back to the action. But
0: exactly. To,
1: for this whole thing to make sense and to be integrated and to be. Would this, be this
0: is what. Uh, and exactly.
1: to not stop at just the passion, but move with the
0: passion into the exactly. action. Exactly. Exactly. and. and this chapter is going to talk to you and be meaningful to you at what at one point in your life, and sometimes you're going to go back to the other chapters. It's chapter four, and, and that's going to be more meaningful. And That's going to be give you more clarity. In Kabbalah, it refers to this as Ratsoi, which means a passion, energy to to just go forth and feel spiritual, and then a shuv, a return, a passion and a return. There's times where we're passionate and feeling a, um, we're, we're um. On the right in this side. frame of inspiration. And sometimes we say, no, we got to come back to earth, right? Sometimes it's Yom Kippur and it's Nailah and we're passionate. And sometimes we say, no, no, as soon as Yom Kippur is over, I need to build that sip. I need to come down back to earth. Um, and, and they're both correct. The question is, what is the focus going to be? And that depends. You know, if, a, if you're a more spiritually oriented person, I may tell you, Hey, focus on the action, right? One chapter 35 of Tanya. And if you're more of a get or done type of person, I'm say go back to chapter four of Tanya and feel m- and make the action that you're doing meaningful. Depends who you, it depends what stage we are in our life. And for me, it might depend what time of day it is, you know?
3: <laughs> Hi, I have a, Question or may, maybe a statement about something you said a few minutes ago about um, sometimes we have to do the action because we're limited with time. And um, I used to get very frustrated at Chabad, especially when starting out, because rabbis would go so fast. Like, why, why are they going so fast? I mean, I can't keep up with this. But I told you I joined now these daily hizak calls with OU for like saying, they say, forward to him in the morning, uh, Frank. No get rid of COVID and all that, and they have a different rabbi every day. Some days it's like a Habad rabbi. I think even sometimes they have a Habad rabbi because it's super fast or all the him I can hardly keep up. But some days, and I'm yearning for the action because sometimes these calls, I, I have a meeting at the same time, so I try to tune in to get the action of getting the film read with with the. It's not. I don't know if you call it minion or what, but it's it's like My thousands man. of people and and you get this one rabbi who has only nothing but passion. So he's going, Laminat Seah <laughs> And I'm like, can you pick it up? I've got to get to this meeting. And so, right,
0: right. Uh, it, 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 exactly. There's, it's going to be, you know, at different times in our life, different times of day for some people, you know, you're going to need different things.
3: But I get to appreciate the Chabad rabbis at that point. I, somebody, I feel bad thinking <laughs> that. Like, have, you ever, have
0: you
1: ever read the Megillah with Rabbi?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what sometimes I want is these physicals. Who said, John, it was you. You said it's like an auction. <laughs> yes.
3: Oh, going once, that's <laughs> <going towards laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a going. So I'll,
0: I'll tell you a story. Great story. Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya. It was Rosh Hashanah, and I assume it was like a particularly inspirational Rosh Hashanah that year. Um, There was a certain energy that was felt. And he asks his son, Rabbi Dovbear, what special kavana, what special spiritual intention did you experience, did you have in your Rosh Hashanah prayers this year? This is what he asked them at the conclusion of Rosh Hashanah. And he tells them, I imagined the passion and the submission that everybody had to God. That all the angels had to God. That all the constellations had toward God. Their recognition of God. And I imagined them all prostrating before God. And this is a particular line that we actually mentioned in in the Rosh Hashanah prayers. And I am pictured this and I imagine this and this was an incredible, incredibly passionate service for me. This is what he tells his father. And he says, but father. What was your Kavana? What intention? What meditation did you have? His father gave him a bizarre answer. Tells him my intention. What I prayed with, I prayed with my stender. Means the lectern. That was my intention. And the the Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke about this story once in one of his talks. And he explained at great length. What does that mean? He prayed with his length lectern. What kind of kavana? What kind of intention was that? Was he mocking him? What was he? What did he mean? What he meant was. The relationship with God was so deep it centered around not how I felt, but around the physical. Because the goal of a lectern is to serve the prayer, right? Is to serve the spiritual. I'm not serving the physical, but the physical is serving me. The relationship with God is centering around my purpose uplifting the physical i'm even uplifting an inanimate an inanimate and in how do i pronounce this
3: inanimate inanimate
0: there we go thank you Whew. an inanimate <laughs> lectern an inanimate piece of wood is becoming something divine whereas his son's prayers as deep and spiritual and powerful as they were they were his feelings and that's limited it's quantified by the person. It's defined by the person. It's defined by the person's feelings, not by their mission. The is centered his, feeling, his prayers around the lectern, his purpose, his mission, uplifting the physical. When our relationship with God centers around the action, not the passion, Essentially, we're, we're centering it around not how we feel, but around what our purpose is. Not around what I need, but for what I am needed for. Okay, right. so John F. Kennedy put it perfectly. Ask not what you can do, what your, country, what your country can do for you, what can you do for your country? What are you needed for? Okay,
1: so basically this for me is humans doing, and you're not a being, you're not being, using every facility that you've got. You're just a human doing and you become a robot. Or a, or you're not part of life. You're not part of anything because you're just doing without meaning because you've got the higher cognitive functioning. You're not a dog or an animal. You're a person. And that's why it breaks me to think that just by doing without the meaning, it's 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 it loses itself if you if you value an inanimate something then you lose connection with all the other people with neshamas working towards the higher purpose
0: okay good question i i would say that we're giving meaning to the ability to just do but
1: then you have to have passion and then you have to have insight and you have to have knowledge and you have to study to get the meaning to just...
0: Well, what we're saying is even if the passion isn't there, it's still meaningful.
1: But but it it mo- because it motivates you. What? The, be- the doing?
0: Well, the doing itself has an inherent value beyond how we perceive its meaning.
1: Um, I, it's, it kind of just, it, it makes you not a whole being. It makes you a part. It makes you... Not integrated. I don't know. Just
0: don't, we're not we're not suggesting you shouldn't have passion.
1: But what it, we
0: are it, suggesting is that if you're not passionate, yeah, you should and, still act. Yeah, because the action itself has inherent value.
1: And then work it towards the the, the, the motivation to
0: exactly. to get
1: the passion. What's that golden.
0: inherent value, though, that it has? So it's two things. Number one the relationship is not centering around how i feel it's much deeper it's centering around god so you know sometimes your spouse may want something that you're not interested in doing but you're going to do it anyways because you're centering it around them not around how you, what you want right when you learn about your spouse you'll become you'll you'll make their desires more meaningful to you but at this point in life the fact that they want it is meaningful to you even though you don't understand it right you want, you want for them because of who they are exactly the fact that they the fact that they want it and you're committed to a relationship that itself is meaningful even though I don't yet understand really why they want it or you know Maybe and I will understand. learn about it mm-hmm. and I'll get to know them and I'll make it more meaningful <laughs> and I'll, I will have a more sophisticated relationship one day um, so that's number one. Number two, the physical action itself has an impact on my animal soul that the passions won't. Um, I shouldn't say it won't, but the passions don't right now, let's say, necessarily. It can have an impact on the animal soul if I, um, if I navigate it properly. But, but usually inspiration is a divine soul thing, not an animal soul thing. Make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It's just—it's just hard to be, just think that you can just do and 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 be accepted.
0: You know, it's, you have to find the meaning. So, but so, sometimes just doing is meaningful. Towards- In other words, look look at it this way. God's—you just do something, even though you don't necessarily find it meaningful yet. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain mitzvah which I have trouble connecting to, perhaps um which i don't i'm not in the mood for perhaps right this is very normal and these are things tanya is addressing tanya a book that is written 250 years ago is addressing issues that we have right tension that we have in our judaism and what the altar is saying is just even though you don't feel it god wants you to do it that itself is meaningful You're willing to do something for God that you don't feel. You are so committed to that relationship that you're willing to center it around him, not yourself. That is very meaningful. The action itself is meaningful. That's very joyous. Think about that. Think about it. Next time you're not in the mood to do a particular mitzvah, whether it it could, and the 613 examples we could come up with, It could be tefillin, it could be Shabbat candles, it could be celebrating Shabbat, it could be lighting Shabbat candles, it could be negative mitzvahs as well. Right? Sometimes I don't feel like it's meaningful to refrain from something that I should be refraining from. But I tell myself, maybe I don't find it meaningful, but God does. That's so powerful. That is so powerful. That can be very powerful, just thinking about that. Okay, I don't find it meaningful, but one second, who am I? God finds it meaningful, and he's the one who's asking me to do it. So the question isn't, I don't find it meaningful, should I do it? The question is, I will do it, how can I make it more meaningful? It's a shift in in how we understand our purpose our purpose isn't really to find meaning it's really our purpose is our purpose how are we going to make it meaningful make sense yeah um and i i i honestly believe and I I don't have the experience to say this, so maybe it will come off a little naive, but I'm going to say it anyways. I feel like I could trust you guys. I think this is what really the world is lacking in relationships these days. Why is the divorce rate so high? Because relationships are not inspired by meaning. They center around meaning. So if people don't feel meaning, they're done. It should center around commitment. And we should find ways to make it meaningful. And that's why you have generations of people these days that, God forbid, just walk away from their Judaism. Because they don't find it meaningful. That's not to say that we should not make it more meaningful. But why, is, why are relationships contingent on it being meaningful? What if to God it's meaningful? Well, he finds it meaningful. So how do we make it meaningful? We'll make it meaningful. We'll get there. We'll get back to chapter four when we're ready. <laughs> but right now in chapter 35... We have to, you know, just accepting that it's meaningful to God is powerful. Now, why is it meaningful to God? We're going to talk about that next week in chapter 36. But the fact that we know that it is meaningful to God itself is powerful and is meaningful, even if we're not feeling it. It's important that we know when we, that when we do a mitzvah, it has a, a, an action mitzvah, not just when we feel good about Judaism, but when we act in our Judaism, that's much more meaningful to God, even if it's not as meaningful to us, because it has an impact on the animal soul, and that's ultimately the purpose. That's ultimately why we exist. And we'll elaborate more on that next week. But let's take a look on page 396. He asks a question here. He says, wait a minute. Even if I'm engaging my animal soul, my animal soul is not necessarily interested. So I've imposed this relationship with God on my animal soul. I haven't transformed my animal soul. He says, it's okay. It's good enough. And we'll soon see why, but let's first read the question. The first bold paragraph on 396, it's kind of in the middle of the page. And even though the deep core of the animal soul found in your heart, its negative traits still have not been absorbed into holiness. We've never transformed how the animal soul feels. We've just forced it to engage in a relationship. Nevertheless, it's still possible for the Shekhinah, the divine presence to rest in the animal soul and its powers since they've been coerced into this holy activity right how does that work and what's the reason why because let's take a look and against their will the power of the animal soul voice their agreement because it's engaged in this relationship it's going to agree to it it's going to like it your animal soul is going to like it whether it likes it or not (laughs) and they consent and approve of the mitzvah observance. Why is this? Because we mentioned earlier in chapter 12, as a result of the strengthening of the divine soul in the brain, which rules over the heart. We mentioned earlier in chapter 9 of Tanya, that the divine soul is primarily in the mind, the animal soul is primarily in the heart, which means when we're intentional about our relationship with God, if we really think about it, we'll want to do a mitzvah. And if we're focused on how we feel, we're not, we might not necessarily be as motivated in this moment to do a mitzvah. But our beliefs are stronger than our feelings. If my Judaism is centered around how I feel at the moment, I may say I'm not going to do a mitzvah, right? And I can be motivated to do all sorts of crazy things, right? I saw an advertisement a couple of years ago of this uh, center, they were advertising Bol Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah in the bowling alley. Right? That's meaningful to them. They found it to be meaningful. (laughs) Rosh Hashanah in the bowling alley is meaningful. That might be meaningful to them, but is it meaningful to God? Right? So if I'm focused on how I feel, maybe this is a good thing to do, but if I'm focused on what I believe in, what judaism believes in then bolashana doesn't make any sense beliefs are stronger than feelings and so even though my animal soul naturally isn't motivated to engage right now but my beliefs are stronger my beliefs will inspire the animal soul when I engage in, my act, in Jewish activity, when I actively engage with mitzvahs, it engages the animal soul and the mind is stronger than the heart, the animal soul will actually want it to some degree. It might not fully want it because we're still human, but it will want it to some degree. Make sense?
3: I, I saw quite a few things this year about having a Rosh Hashanah services on Zoom. I think you can say the same thing as the bol hashanah that it's might be meaningful to the people who are doing the zoom but it's not meaningful to hashem doing it that way
0: similar idea because if it's not in accordance with what god really wants if it's centered around what we want but not what god wants and we know what god wants that's the halacha that's that's what the halacha sets out that's what that's always sets out then, then you, you can say a similar thing, as hard as it is to say that, and as challenging as it is to say that, and as difficult as it is to say that, it makes sense that you'd be able to say that. Because it, it has to really center around, what a relationship really has to center around what God wants, a relationship with God.
3: Because in that case, God would want that the people doing the Zoom, if, if, if the only option to do a Rosh Hashanah service is on Zoom, and God would prefer that they just stay home and not turn on Zoom, right?
1: Well, they do it early.
0: <laughs> well, they do could start. Early. They could do it before Rosh Hashanah, but, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Better, definitely better to better to stay home and and try to make what God wants meaningful.
3: I mean, even I I saw something. You know, we're having a, a big heat wave for Yom Kippur, and I saw in. Paul Alto, they sent out a message saying that um, if, if you think, so he said the most important thing for Yom Kippur is, is the fast. So if you think because of the heat, you'll have to break the fast, then better to stay home.
0: Better to stay home. Same idea. Same idea. Going to shul may be more meaningful, but staying home may be what God actually wants. Right? On Rosh Hashanah, the Torah, we know what God wants. The Torah says it. God says fast. And we have to try to make that on Yom Kippur And that we have to try to make that fast meaningful. Right? But sometimes we're at an end of and we have this dilemma between what I find meaningful and what God finds meaningful. Ideally, we want to bridge the two. We want God's will to be meaningful. That's the best of both. That That's really the best. When God's will is meaningful to us, that's beautiful. It really is. But when what we find meaningful contradict what, contradicts what God wants, and it, it happens all the time, it, we we miss the point. And it's very normal for this to happen. It's very likely for this to happen because we're human.
2: You know, I think the uh, everyday struggle with this one Uh I mean, for me personally, I, I always think about Shabbos because, um, you know, I, I'm pretty much doing Shabbos at home, but I can't do any of the service components that require a minion. Right. And so right. I, always, I always struggle like, well, gosh, you know, maybe I should try to get to the shoal, um, But there's things that would at the moment have to be done. That is not in God's will you know to get the show right so it's right
0: beautiful example
3: i I also have well I feel like I get into conflict with people who um, who are only focused on the uh, on the meaning for example I get comments from people you should you should belong to a reform temple because then you could bring your family and sit with your family and or um, or other things like all these things you do, it's uh, you're, you're there's no meaning in it. You you're doing everything yourself, and so because they're 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 focused just on the on um what it means to them,
0: right? As opposed to the the actual purpose, what it means to God.
3: The actual yeah, and I try to explain that, but it
0: it's always in one
3: ear out it's, the other.
0: It's hard because it's not a one. It's not one of those, you know, throwing out a one-liner is going to be hard for people.
3: (laughs) Well, it's like they they can't understand if they haven't gone through Tanya like us.
0: Right. Or other learning. Sit down and say, let's study once a week.
3: (laughs) It's a long, long, long process.
0: You know, there, there was a fellow that I was talking with in my office a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. And he was discussing, and I I saw this as a Tanya moment in my own practice here. Um, He he was struggling with the negativity that he's experiencing throughout society. Um, With coronavirus, um, we're not too far from election season. And the negativity that he's been experiencing, that he's exposed to, he's just, he says, it's too much for me. He says, I'm on Facebook because I wanna network with people. I wanna connect with friends. And this person's bashing, bashing this person for their opinion. And this person's bashing this person for their opinion when it comes to the virus and protocols on the virus and political uh, ideas and and all these different things. And he says it just everybody's bashing each other. He says, what do I do? We were talking on a Friday, it was a Friday, um, afternoon so i said he says what do i do and at first i was going to try to give a meaningful answer perhaps a meditation perhaps a suggestion and how to deal with controversy right
3: i know the answer And then i
0: realized i have a good answer (laughs) might not be an answer that's spiritually um you know think about it this way i was going to try to provide perspective so wait a minute Shabbos is starting in five hours from now. Why don't you just shut off your computer? Why don't you disconnect for 25 hours? That's what I do every week. And all of a sudden, instead of trying to find perspective in how to deal with controversy, the controversy is not relevant. You don't know about it. You're dealing with better things. Your family, your relationship with Hashem. What?
2: That that that's an excellent short-term answer, but after the twenty-five hours is over, the answer, the, the, the problem persists or re re renews, right? Well, you yes, start somewhere.
0: And, well, <laughs> well, first of all, seven days later, it's it's going to be shutting off again, but um, <laughs> in those twenty-five hours, he's going to discover a deeper purpose in life than just Facebook.
1: Well, um, and yeah. uh, so now,
2: now you've hit it—a deeper purpose than Facebook, and that's and, and actually, right, and and, and and that's and that's really honestly, I uh, the, the story speaks to me because, like, I, I I really I I can't be on Facebook for more than five minutes every few days because after five minutes, I've had my fill of people bashing each other and political this, and it's just crazy. It's the mm-hmm. platform has done a great harm. To a great many people, in my opinion.
0: yeah, right. yeah, well, and yeah.
1: So, so if you're on Facebook and you involve yourself in the political stuff, you'll get more political stuff because they only send you what you involve yourself in. I get no. Okay, that's
0: also a powerful lesson. Negative I, attracts I, negative. I
1: get photos. I get beautiful stuff. I learn stuff. I get
2: recipes. I get. I, I, it's it's all based on what algorithms, right? So they send you what you look at. So so that's also true.
0: That uh, yeah, but I'll tell you, this but, guy, you know, it, it, it's, it's, this you was know, a month it, ago. He tells me, he says to me, I spoke to him today, he says, Josh, thanks to your suggestion, I've been unplugging every Shabbos. Well, it, you, it's not a short term, it's long term, because now his life is, is actually more meaningful, has more meaning to it, has you, more time to really...
3: I, I forget if it was you or, or Raleigh or both mentioned about the C-teens trip to New York. And that um, when Shabbos came, they had to turn in their phones and they were all very, all the teens were very upset about that at first. But then at, at the end, 25 hours later, they practically didn't want their phones back.
0: They loved it. Yeah. When I asked this, one of the teens, I said, what was your favorite part of the trip? And, you know, they're going to Manhattan. They're doing a lot of fun things, Statue of Liberty. They're sightseeing. They're they're fan very well you know they're, they're having a lot of fun and he says the one of the most one of the highlights of his trip was not having a cell phone for 25 hours on shabbos and being able to connect with people being able to connect with god being able to 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 live life on a deeper plane you know a week to it it's it's a time to remember that there's more to existence than just the physical world and physical issues we experience.
3: It's more to the world than Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and
2: all that other stuff.
0: And yeah. it's a challenging argument when it comes to, to, to um, you know, like John, like you were saying, a Zoom service or whatever it is, because that might feel meaningful. But then we have to also remember this chapter, who is it meaningful to?
3: Well, in some cases, people just simply don't know that.
0: As yeah, as a this isn't to God forbid judge anybody. I'm not, God forbid I'm not judging anybody. It's it's more.
1: It's, it's more about connection. So all these things are about connection, and especially in this time where you can't connect physically, is having this connection with people and being okay. part of something. Otherwise, you just become your own, and then you can dwell in the negativity.
0: Right
2: but there's there's also you know the, the the struggle for people who don't know how to sure. do how, how to um how to uh sort of what I'm looking for um uh, if they're home on rosh Hashanah or home on yom kippur um and they have no ability to uh uh get through the service on their own sure. uh that's problematic as well, right? I mean, because, um, you know, it's, it's like they, ne- they, need it,
1: it, they need support.
0: I mean, I mean that's where support, community right. support comes in. You're right. right. It, I wouldn't say it's problematic. I would say it's challenging.
1: So you have to use it positively and you have to find all the good of all the different media so that you can use it in moderation and positively so that it can become a support and not a detriment to your well-being. Right.
3: I, I went into uh, Pesach and was very a- apprehensive about doing it myself at home. And it actually became a very positive experience because I experienced things that I never experienced before when coming to, to services. Like first time in a long, well, really any time that I did some of it with, with my kids because they, they don't come to Habab. And... Um, Plus, I could go at my own pace. So, going through the seder, I could do the whole seder. It, just, it took me hours, but but then, coming for Rosh Hashanah, I feel like I I can't do it at home because I have no way to hear the shofar. So that that was the first stumbling block. I suppose Yom I could Yom even Yom go you can do it at home. You don't What's
1: need that? to get the shofar. Your own You can do it at home.
3: I'm not going to do it at home, but I, if I really needed to, I could. But since I did Rosh Hashanah, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm going to do the other holidays now there. I'm, uh, maybe I'm the only one wearing a mask, but <laughs> I'm not the only one. There's a few others. but
2: um, Hey, you could hang outside the door with me.
3: I was almost going to come out, Mike. I was very tempted to, but I had already been in there for a couple hours. So I'm like, what, what's another hour inside?
2: You never know what can happen in that hour. thought you know, <laughs> it has been a little scratchy the last couple of days. So. Uh oh. No, Uh-oh. I think I am
3: just not getting enough sleep.
2: I, I have to be able to come home and tell my wife that I was as COVID safe as I could possibly be. That—that's yeah. uh,
3: the a ultimate goal. <laughs>
1: well,
3: I, I've been very—I've um, been a bit of a uh, what's the word—a dictator at home demanding the family do this and that to keep us COVID safe. So I, I, I can't tell them that I was in a um, shul with 25, <laughs> 80% of people not wearing masks. And,
2: um, well, right, and that, which is why I didn't go inside because my wife would, that'd be the first question my wife asked me, and I'm not lying to my wife.
3: <laughs> especially during That's these important. 10 days of uh, Teshuvah. <laughs> good
1: for you, Mike.
0: <laughs> no, that is very good. It's a very good thing. Yeah. Shalom in the home is not a bad thing. <laughs> Long <bias>. Exactly.
3: <clears throat> so uh, yep. is that your story and um you're sticking to it or <laughs> so
0: that's that is my story. That's my story. I'm sticking right.
3: to it. I'm gonna shut the recording.